Mary. We'll leave tomorrow, fly to Detroit, fly to Amsterdam, have a long layover in Amsterdam, then fly from Amsterdam to Nairobi. And in Nairobi we'll arrive, even though we're leaving on Monday, we won't arrive till Wednesday because of the time change and the long uh, layover in Amsterdam. We'll arrive 6 in the morning on Wednesday morning. We will uh, go to the Hardens place, the couple that was here a couple weeks ago. We're going to go to their place, and they have gathered about 30 couples of missionaries from different denominations. And on Thursday, Melanie and I are going to do a marriage retreat seminar uh, for them and uh, going to encourage the missionaries there, and we're real excited about that. And then um, on Friday, we're going to be driving to a village called Gurumo. Uh, You can't even find it on the map. You can find a town called Caratina, which is right next to it. But these villages have no electricity, no running water, and that's where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to be holding a three-day crusade in that village of Gurumo. And Gurumo is spelled N-G-U-R-U-M-O. The N is silent, but we'll be in Gurumo. And that'll be Friday night, Saturday night. Melanie will do some of the preaching. I'll do some of the preaching. Noah's going to be helping to lead praise and worship. And then on Sunday, I'll be speaking in the morning service. And then all of the churches of that area are coming together on Sunday afternoon. Uh, they, they don't know. They don't know any better. So they think I'm Billy Graham over there. They don't know. They've got posters up, you know, of us. You know, the, I'm not going to tell them any different, you know. But they, they're just expecting great things. And uh, so, uh, but we're going to have a dedication of a church building that several years ago we were able to help uh, build a church uh, in that uh, in that village. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Are you guys hearing that? Uh, can you, uh, does it sound okay out there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? All right. <clears throat> Up here. Maybe it's in the monitors or something. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Uh, and then on then so that's on Sunday. Then we're going to take a couple days and uh, actually go on a safari. Uh, but then we'll come back from that on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, uh, we're going to be begin visiting with a ministry over there called Christian Ministries of Africa in Nairobi. Uh, that's a, a group that's been there since 1985. Orphanages, feeding the hungry, and all of that kind of stuff. So we're going to be uh, with that mission uh, for the end of our stay before we fly back. But we really, really appreciate your prayers. Uh, if you've been following me on Facebook, you kind of know some of my interest in Kenya. Um, I have a friend who was in high school with me that uh, she, after her freshman year of college, went to Kenya to do a, a short-term mission trip. She was going to do a whole semester with Youth with a Mission. One week before she was to return home, she contracted malaria. And uh, it wasn't just any form of malaria. Malaria is pretty common over there. It's almost like getting the flu here. But for Americans, our bodies aren't really uh, prepared for it. Uh, We don't get it in little bits all through our lives. And so when it hits us, it hits us hard. And uh, she got such a severe strain that from the time of diagnosis, she died within like three days. It just uh, attacked uh, her. But she had made a strange statement to her to her parents just before she left. She's getting on the plane. She's this little college freshman. Hey, Mom, if I should die when I'm in Africa, bury me with the people. She made that statement. And so uh, they did bury her uh, in Africa with the people in this, uh, uh, just outside of Mombasa, and they buried her in a pauper's grave. And uh, 
None of her family got to say goodbye to her. None of her friends. We had a memorial service in the United States. But uh, she had one aunt that went over to Africa one time to visit the, um, the marker where she was buried. And then I came four years ago. So now this has been, this is, I'm, I'm showing my age, but this has been now like 30 years. And so when I went to visit her grave, and I knew where the grave was, and I got all the directions, and I actually had a picture of the wooden cross that said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I went to this little cemetery, and there were monkeys in the trees in the cemetery, and there were goats walking through the cemetery. And I was looking all over the cemetery. It's a small little cemetery, and I could not find her marker. I went to the caretaker of the cemetery. He knew her exact plot, took me over to the place, and he shook his head, and he was embarrassed to tell me. He said, a lot of these crosses you can see are half gone, and some of them are completely gone, and the reason is because termites have eaten them. And, and so through the years, the termites would eat these little wooden crosses, and they would be gone. Only uh, the paupers are buried in, in cemeteries like that. In Kenya, when you die, they take you back to your home village, and you're, and you're buried with your family at, at the home village where your family came from, unless you're extremely poor, and then they put you in one of these pauper's graves. And so she's in a pauper's grave over there. So I just wept over her grave last time I was there, and we put a, a cement marker up uh, to mark her grave, and, um, and we had the same words etched in it, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Just this week, I called her brother out of the blue, and uh, her brother was able to send me some pictures of her, and I've been putting them on Facebook. And it's the first time I've seen digital pictures of her, you know, in our whole lives, because, uh, now, get this, young people, we had no internet, we had no Facebook, we had nothing electronic uh, when I was growing up, and so all of these pictures, unless you had a camera kind of pictures, you know, anybody know what a camera is? Uh, but, uh, you know, unless you had a camera and, and actual paper pictures, you know, you didn't have those. So uh, several years ago, back in my church in Illinois, there was a, a man that showed up out of nowhere from Kenya, and uh, he uh, was the vice president of Southern Illinois University, and he was from this little village called Gurumo, and he was one of, from the, one of the poorest families, and someone gave him a scholarship for him to go to school, go to college. He became a doctor. Uh, he landed in our church, and he had a mission uh, to Kenya already called Teach My Kenyan Children. If you live in Kenya, after junior high, you, you can't go to school anymore unless you pay. You have to pay to go to high school. Because in Kenya, most people just would leave school and go work for the farm, you know, or their, their, their parents' home. But so what, what Peter had a um, vision to do was to help the promising students that did very well in school to be able to go on to high school. And uh, so he began a ministry called Teach My Kenyan Children, and we would support these kids uh, to go to high school. And so I'm going to be there with this man that was at Southern Illinois University, my friend Peter Gatow. He's going to be there with us. Uh, help us dedicate that church, and it's going to be really, really exciting. And we really appreciate your prayers. It's been a real exciting uh, series that we've been in, in called Be Real, because fake is exhausting. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 15. And I'm not going to read to you the first parable, but there's the first two parables, but there's three parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep. There's the parable of the lost coin, and then there's the parable of the lost son. And um, 
if you know anything about the story, th- these three are all connected. There's three things that are lost. And in the first one, uh, there's a, um, a lady that loses a coin. The Bible says that this coin was valuable to her. She swept through her entire house. And when she found the coin, she had a party because the coin that uh, was lost was found. And um, I'm sorry, the first one was the lost sheep. And the shepherd loses one of his sheep, goes out, finds the sheep, and when he finds it, he has a party. The woman loses a coin, and then she has a party. But now we're going to pick up in verse 11 the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to go out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The key to understanding this whole passage is before we read any of those parables, Jesus was being criticized because he hung out with sinners. We're asking a question this morning, what is God like? There was, a, there was an understanding at that time that God was uh, the kind of God that thought certain people were special, but that sinners were outcasts. And so the Jewish people looked at themselves as God's chosen people. We are, we are God's special friends. We belong to him, and we're, we're God's buddies. But, uh, but, but sinners really had nothing to do with, with, with God. And uh, so... Uh, 
the, uh, the, the Pharisees were, were critical when they saw Jesus hanging out with sinners. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What do you think that God is actually like? What's he really like? Because the way you answer that question, what God is like, will change everything. It affects everything, how you think God is. In fact, there are Muslims today. In fact, part of my trip we had to cancel uh, in Kenya because there was a place that we were going that, that Christian churches are being bombed. Because there's a group of people that think God says, love your neighbor but hate your enemies. And uh, so uh, that's what they think God is like. And uh, I had a Jewish friend in college that, that had become an atheist. And he said, the reason that I'm an atheist is because I can't buy the fact that God thinks that we're better than everyone else. I came to tell you this morning that God doesn't think that we're better than anyone else. How many believe that this morning? Three of you believe that this morning? God doesn't, God, God doesn't look at us and, and think that we're better than anyone else. Um, and, and so this was the predominant feeling at the time. And so they see Jesus hanging out with, with sinners. And so he, he, he tells them three stories. One of a woman who lost a coin. One of a shepherd who lost a sheep. One of a father who lost a son. And, and the message of that is very, very clear. And that is that you matter to God. You matter to God. How many believe that you matter to God? That, that, that's, the, that, that's, that's, that's part of the message of this, of this whole story, that you matter to God, that, that you are valuable to God, just like, that, just like that shepherd, that sheep was valuable to the shepherd, just like that coin was valuable to this woman. You mattered to God in something that was very, very valuable that uh, was lost, but now it had become found. But there's another weird sto- a part of this story, and, that, and this is another thing about God's nature. God gives us the freedom to leave. Do you know that God doesn't keep us by force? God doesn't force us to be Christians or to, or to stay in his family or to stay in his house. You know, when, when you read this story, you think about the father. What kind of dad are you? This kid, this little brat just asked you for his inheritance. You know, he's supposed to wait until you die, right? And when you die, they can split up the inheritance, and then you get your part. But this little, this little whippersnapper, uh, you know, he says, I want it now. And he wants his father's estate right now. And uh, so he, um, his father does the most unthinkable thing, and that is he lets his son leave. That, that's something that you need to understand about God. That if you want to walk out on God, that, that you can do that. That you're free to do that. That we're in a relationship with God by choice. And here's another thing that I want to share with you that, that you know, maybe you're not supposed to hear this in church, but, but we find this out in the story, that sin is fun. Did the pastor just say that? Yeah. How many would admit, everyone close your eyes, how many would admit that there's, some, that there's some truth to the fact that sin can be fun, you know? In fact, what Moses said is he said, I would rather suffer affliction with the people of God rather than, do, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Sin is fun for a while. But the next thing that I want to share with you is this. Sin has an expiration date on it. 
You know what I'm saying? It's fun for a while. It's enjoyable for a time. And you can go out there and you can have a good time for a while. But eventually that fun runs out. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Yeah, you know, how many know that your milk expires after time? You know what I'm saying? It's good for a while, but you leave that milk long enough and it spoils. That's the way that sin is. Sin has an expiration date on it. And eventually, eventually sin no longer has uh, its pleasure uh, anymore. So it's fun for a while. But it loses, it loses it. But then what I want you to know is that God relentlessly, we, we sang this song this morning, God relentlessly pursues the lost. He relentlessly pursues the lost. God will not give up on you. He relentlessly pursues the lost. This week there was a man in Missouri, and he walked up to the cash register at the gas station, and he got a pack of he got three packs of cigarettes, and he said to the man behind the counter, "If I could, I'd smoke all three packs right now, at the same time." He said, "My dad committed suicide this week," and he said, uh, "He said I'm my my family's coming in and." My family and I don't get along. I'm so stressed out. If I could smoke all of these cigarettes right now, I'd smoke them all right now. What he didn't know is that there was a lady standing behind him by the name of Melanie Nordstrom. And Melanie heard the guy say this. And Melanie called me because Melanie's away right now with her, mo- it's her mother's birthday. She's at her mother's birthday today. And Melanie called me and said, Phil, there's this guy in the, in the station. She said, so I, I went over to his car and I said, Sir, I overheard you in the store. I just want you to, can, can I pray for you? And the guy said, well, I'm not very religious. But yeah, you can pray for me. In fact, he said, I'm getting ready to meet with my dad's pastor because my dad committed suicide. And Melanie prayed with that guy right there. I don't have some big story to tell you that he gave his life to Jesus at that moment or whatever. But what I'm telling you is you might be in a gas station somewhere and God has your number. How many believe that God sets up incidences in our lives where he relentlessly pursues us? Two weekends ago, there was a, there was a, a lady of the streets in Knoxville down by the bus station. And um, my son Noah had been working for Nathan Cox, and Nathan's work is downtown, so when he got off work, he went downtown, and Noah decided to go exploring areas of downtown he'd never seen before. So he's down in the old city, and he goes down by the bus station, and he, he sees this lady, and this lady says, Hey, young man, how old are you? <laughs> and uh, Noah said he was 16, and she quickly kind of changed the subject and said, uh, She said, well, she said, let me just tell you, young man. She said, take life by the horns. She didn't say by the horns, but I'm not going to tell you what she said. She she said, take life by another body part. And she said, she she, she was just giving him some life advice right there. And she didn't know who walked by her that day because she didn't realize Noah was going to say, he goes, I know this sounds weird, ma'am, but could I pray with you? And he prayed with her right down there, and she said, I received that. 
I received that. I don't have a big story to tell you that she gave her life to Jesus that day or whatever, but I just believe that God sets up situations where he continually, relentlessly pursues us. And so I'm at the gas station two days ago with me and Noah because mom's gone, and we're at the gas station, and, and an attractive lady walks up to me as I'm pumping the gas. She looks like a professional woman, and uh, she says, sir, she said, do you have any money? And she didn't look like a person that needs money. She said, but I just got out of the car, my boyfriend. It's not a good situation. And she said, uh, she said I just need money for a taxi to, to get back home. And I said, well, I got my son in the car. We can take you home. Where do you live? She goes, well, I live on Cedar Lane. Have you heard, ever heard of it? I said, well, yeah. Actually, I pastor the church on Cedar Lane. You know, the, the, our offices are on Cedar Lane. And uh, she was embarrassed. And I said, you know what? You don't need to be embarrassed at all. I said, in fact, I go to a church where it's okay not to be okay. Uh, and, 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 but you don't have to stay that way. She said, would you just say something inspirational to me? And here's what she said. She said, I'm lost. I'm lost right now. And I just said, right there at the gas pump, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That interaction ended there. But what I'm saying is, wherever you're at in life right now, God will relentlessly, he will set up situations, he will put people in your path because he relentlessly pursues the lost. Do you want want to know what God is like? God is like this father who stands at the edge of the field. He's like this woman who who looks and sweeps and searches until she finds. He's like a shepherd who searches until he finds that lost sheep. He's like the father who stands out on the edge of that field and he goes after that lost sheep. He relentlessly pursues us. And then another thing I want you to know about God is that he doesn't need us to wallow in our repentance. In this passage, the prodigal son, he comes home and he, and he says, you know, Dad, I'm so sorry. Just let me be your servant. Just, I, just, I, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And it's almost like the father says, shut up. Don't go on with long speeches because I can't stand to see you lost. One second more. Don't wallow in your don't wallow in your sorrow for one more second. And, and I love the word that we read in this passage. It said, "Quick, quick! I want this to happen quickly. Uh, quick, go get the robe. Quick, go get the ring. Why does he want him to do it quick? Because I don't want my son one more second to feel what it's like to be lost. Have you ever been lost?" few years ago, my wife and I, in fact, we had just moved to Knoxville. We were in Mexico, and um, we did a little day trip to Cozumel, and we, got, we rented those motor scooters where you can take a motor scooter around the island. And we were taking a motor scooter around the island, but I didn't plan the timing of it well, and it began to get dark. And so, and we knew that the place was going to be closing, and so we kind of had to get on it and get back. And not only that, but a storm started rolling in, and it started raining on us. So I said, Melanie, follow me. I'm taking off, and I just 
revved my engine and was, you know, going as quick as I could around that island. And I, and, um, I was going maybe 15 minutes or whatever, and I looked back, and Melanie wasn't behind me. Not a good, not a good, not a good feeling. I'm in Mexico. The sun's going down. Rain is coming. I don't speak the language. We were on a divided highway, two lanes going one way, two lanes going the other. So I just pulled off the side of the road. I'm thinking, well, surely she just stopped for something. I'll wait for her. I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and she didn't come. My heart started racing. I'm in Mexico. I don't, I, don't know what's, I don't know where my wife is. I don't know what's going on with her. So it's a divided highway. I better go back and look for her. So I cross the divided highway, and I start going back the other way. Now it's getting really dark now. And so there are a few motorcycles coming from that direction, but I can't make out who it is. So I'm heading back to where I think she is. And I go back to the last place that I saw her, and I waited there for a long time. And I waited, and I waited, and now it's completely dark. And she never shows up. I don't have a cell phone. I don't have a way to get a hold of her. I'm panicking by now. And finally, finally, the only, thing I, the only thing I knew to do was to go back, go to the finish line and to call the police and, and to, to send out an all-out search. When I got to the finish line, Melanie was there waiting for me. What I didn't know is when I was on the divided highway going back toward her, she had, uh, her, her engine had stopped. Some guys had helped her, got her back on the road, and she had made it to the finish line, but I didn't know it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I was so excited to see Melanie again. In one moment, I knew what it was like to have something that was of great value that was lost. Do you want to know what God is like? God, when you're lost, God can't rest until you're found. He relentlessly pursues the lost. That's what this passage tells us about. And he he doesn't want us to wallow in our repentance. And you know what that means? That means this. Salvation is easy. How dare we make salvation hard? This guy is thinking, oh, I'll do whatever it may. I'll, I'll be your servant. I'll, 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 I'll obey all 600 commandments in the Old Testament. I'll do everything. Shut up. You're my son. Put on the ring. Put on the robe. My son has come home. Now, I'm not saying that, that walking with Jesus is easy. How many know it's easy to get out of Egypt, but it's another thing to have Egypt get out of you? You know what I'm talking about? It's easy for us to come out. It's easy for us to be saved, and then we spend the rest of our lives unpacking that. But while we're unpacking that, we're, we're working it out and getting it together. Just know this. We're doing it not as servants. We're doing it as sons. The other thing in this story, and the last thing I want to share with you about this story, is that in all three stories, there was a party. There was a party when the prodigal, when, when the sheep came home. He calls all his friends, let's have a party! I found my sheep! When, when the woman found her coin, she said, call all of her friends! I don't, know, I don't know what she did. They didn't have phones. I don't know how she called them, but she called them! 
and all their friends and said, come on over to my house, we're having a party. I thought I'd lost my coin and I found my coin. And the whole setup is that. You think sheep are valuable? You think coins are valuable? son of mine was lost and now he's found. Hallelujah. His lost son comes home and they have a party. I've shared this story before but a lot of you haven't heard it. Famous speaker by the name of Tony Campolo, he went to speak in Hawaii. And while he was in Hawaii to, to speak at an engagement, he woke up in the middle of the night because how I many you know what jet lag is like and you wake up and your body thinks it's day and night and all that. So he wakes up at like 2 in the morning and he goes down to the coffee shop and, and down at the, in the floor level of the hotel and while he's down there in the coffee shop uh, a couple prostitutes walk in. And then he said pretty soon a few more prostitutes came in and kind of made a circle and one of them's name was Agnes and, and and, uh, and the girl by the name of Agnes said in that group where Tony could hear them, Hey, everybody, tomorrow's my birthday. And uh, one of the other girls said, Yeah, so what? Tomorrow's your birthday. She said, Well, I just thought I'd tell you, tomorrow's my birthday. And they just kind of ignored it. And they ended up there. When they left, Tony Campolo, the speaker, he said to the man behind the counter, he said, Hey, he said, yeah, they come in there every night at the same time. He said, what if, what if we do something? He said, what if tomorrow night, um, let's have a party for Agnes, birthday party for Agnes. And uh, so they have a birthday party for Agnes, and, the, and the, the guy said, you know what, she's a regular customer. She comes in every time. Uh, I've got a bakery here. I'll make a cake. It'll say, happy birthday, Agnes. We'll have, a, we'll have a birthday cake for her, and uh, at 3.30 in the morning, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, have a, uh, we'll have a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow morning. And, uh, and he said, I'll get the word out on the streets, and tomorrow morning we're going to have a birthday party. And so, gotten in there ahead of time, put up decorations and everything, and they had it set up that when all of these came in at 3.30 in the morning is when the prostitutes arrived. He said, like every prostitute in Honolulu, just descended on that coffee shop this morning. They filled up the place. And right at 3.30, Agnes came in. And they said, surprise, Agnes, happy birthday. And they began singing happy birthday to Agnes. And, and then, and then the, the, the guy that was working behind the counter said, let's cut the cake. And Agnes said,
because I didn't know what to do. So I said, let's pray. We had the word of prayer there down in that bakery. I prayed and when I got done, the baker behind the counter said, hey, I didn't know you was a preacher. What kind of a church do you go to? One of those times when the Spirit gave the utterance. He said, I go to a church that gives birthday parties to prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the baker said, no you don't. Because if there was a church like that, I'd go to